Okay? I'm glad you're here. Um, we, uh, we're discussing the, the new year that's upon us, and, and again, I think we all have the same goal, um, which is we want it to be a great year. We want it to be a great year for the, for the whole world. We want it to be a great uh, year for, for our friends and our family, and, and I think, you know, quite honestly, we, we, we want it to be a great year for us individually. And, and so I think the uh, sort of like the challenge is, you know, since uh, the ball is in our court in, in, at this time of the year, to do whatever we can to make it into a great year. And so, um, so we can do that. And, and, and our Hashem and, and, and our holy rabbis over the millennia, actually, have given us amazing advice as to how to maximize this time of the year. So this is kind of the theme that we've been discussing for the last few weeks, and it really is, it really is the most relevant thing that we can uh, that we can discuss. And I, I had a bit of a, a breakthrough um, over Shabbos, just in terms of understanding just how we can do this, maybe uh, just maybe e- even more so. And um, and let me let me just kind of go right to that point, and we'll we'll kind of flesh it out in all, all sorts of different ways. Uh, with God's help, so so let's let's start. Um, you know, we mentioned it before, but but the 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 idea itself, I think, is is very relevant um, because um, it it invites cynicism, and yet our cynicism, if we don't understand this teaching, is completely misplaced. So let me get to the point. Imagine, and I'll just give this as an example, but, but fill in in your mind what, whatever it is that you yourself feel as though you want to work on. And it can be multiple things, right? For, for all of us, it actually should be multiple things. And just on that point, um, you know, we always say it, but it, it's so true, which is that from the Torah perspective, if you think that you've arrived, if you, if you think that you're a finished product, that's the, the, the greatest proof that you haven't arrived. Right, because anyone who thinks that they've arrived, that's it's so antithetical to the concept of of growth, which is a lifelong process. That um, that the person has already built up a, a a a real barrier toward real toward real progress. Just thinking that they're beyond the need for progress because they've they've already arrived. So the first thing that we have to do is sort of get rid of that concept. And for some people, that's that's harder to do than others. Um, so, so let's keep on going. Imagine this example, and just in terms of working our, on ourselves, um, imagine that a person is constantly late. And again, fill in your own version of this as I'm discussing it. But a person is late, and let's say that they're, they're always late. And, and, and let's say to, to meet someone, they, they, they have a regular appointment with someone, and 30 times in a row they're late, right? But they say to themselves, you know something, it's, it's really not great that I'm late. It's a, it's a, it's a sign of disrespect, whatever it is, and, and, and maybe it's holding me back in terms of my, my, my profession. I'm going to start coming on time. I think that that's important to do, just on a, on a menschlichkeit level, just not making the other person wait, and also just for myself. You know, it seems like it's the proper thing to do. So the person shows up on time. It's hard for them to do, but they show up one time. Now, the cynical approach to this is to say, okay, so Mazel tov, you were late 30 times, and one time you showed up, so what do you want me to do? You want me to throw you a party? 
You know, like, okay, so you, you showed up on time once, right? So that, that, that's one approach. But that's not how God looks at it, especially at this time of the year, especially when, when, tshuva, when tshuva is like the coin of the realm, right? This is kind of this, is, this, this type of holy growth that we're all involved in. From God's point of view, God looks at that person and says, well, that was a person who was always late, and now they've switched, and now they're an untimed person. So in other words, the, you know, we talked about the, the holiness of like wrapping yourself in, in like wrapping paper, right? The, the, the idea is like when you wrap a gift beautifully, that's the first thing that you see. In other words, the, the last most element, your last action is what envelops you. And that's what's, that's what's seen. And so if your last action is to be on time, then that's, that's what you're wrapped in. That's, that's what's seen. So, so obviously, the more one can now start showing up on time, the, the more convincing it is and the more, the more compelling it is on a heavenly level. Now, why is, that, why is that so significant? Because we discussed it last week and we've got a whole talk on it. I won't review the whole thing. But if you want to get more information on this, it, it, the, the talk is called How to Change Your Mazel. The, the, the interesting thing is one of the definitions in terms of just a, a real working practical definition of mazel is that Hashem will arrange the circumstances of your life in order to allow you to fix what it is you need to fix. Right? So if there are certain blockages in a person's life, they could be there, not because God is angry at the person or mad at the person, but because those are the ideal circumstances for the person to fix what it is that they need to fix. But if they go back, if a person goes back and explores their life and, and everything like that, and then removes whatever those problem areas are in their own life, if, if they promise certain things to do those things, if, they, if, if there are certain things that they are supposed to do anyway, even without promising, Remember, you know, there's a very interesting halacha. If a person vows, makes a vow, right, to put on tefillin, right? Let's say they're holding a Sefer Torah and like the whole nine yards, right? They fully vow, I'm going to start putting on tefillin. You know what? That's a worthless vow. You know why? Because they're supposed to put on tefillin anyway. So what do you mean you, you vow? You don't have to vow. You already have to do it. Right? So there's certain obligations that we're supposed to do anyway. So in other words, we have to look at our life and everything like that. Then, if we're doing those things already, God doesn't have to create those circumstances to make sure that we're doing those things anymore because we're already doing them. Now he changes our mazel. He changes our circumstances because he doesn't have to have those in our life anymore to make sure that we're doing this other stuff because we already did it. Now new opportunities can open up for other things. Contemplate that because you'll see that there's a lot of, there's a lot of wisdom in that. Okay, so this is the time when those type of changes in our life count the most. Why? Because we're right on the precipice of Rosh Hashanah which is also known as, quite scarily but accurately, Yom HaDin, the Day of Judgment, which is when the new blueprint for the next year is coming down. So in other words, in heaven, so to speak, they're going to file the next report. This is what the next person's year is going to be. So they're going to do it based on 
the current state of the person. So if the person makes some last-minute changes, then certain things in that report are no longer relevant. So they become updated, they become changed. And this way we improve our year. Very straightforward. But now I want to add what I think is a, a very, for me anyway, personally, a very big new addition to this, okay? You see, I'll talk personally, but I think that this probably applies to a lot of people. So over the years, I'll tell you what my Elul slash, and you know, when, just, just so you know, when we talk about Elul, we're talking about the month of Elul, but we're also talking about Rosh Hashanah, and we're also talking about Yom Kippur. Okay? That's because everything that I'm saying applies to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And if you want to see that actually in, in Hasidus, the Bnei Yisachar famously brings down this notion that everybody knows that uh, a mikvah is 40 saw. Saw is a, is a liquid measure, like a, like a gallon, something like that, right? So, so a, a mikvah is composed of these 40 measures of water. And of course, a mikveh is, is something for men and women. It's something that, that, that purifies a person and um, you know, elevates their spiritual state and transforms their spiritual state, gives them a different status. Okay, so now with that in mind, the B'nai Saskar points out something amazing, which is that isn't it interesting from the first day of Elul to Yom Kippur, it's 40 days. These 40 days which parallel the 40 measures of water that compose a mikvah. In other words, right now we're in this time-space mikvah. That's what's going on right now. But the Bnei Yisachar goes further, and it's, it's mind-blowing, actually. Because believe it or not, a saw, which is one of those liquid measures of which you need 40 of, a saw is composed of a smaller measurement. Just like, say, you have, a, like in a gallon, you have quartz, right? Which is a smaller measure. In a saw, you have something called a log. And do you know how many logim are in one saw? One, how many of the smaller measures are in the bigger measure? 24. So, so hear it, hear it. So 24 of those smaller measures make up one of the larger liquid measures of which you need 40. So let me put it all together for you. Isn't it interesting that there are 24 hours in a day and there are 40 days between Rosh Chodesh Elul and Yom Kippur? Do you see how it exactly parallels a mikvah? It's not just there are 40 measures of water paralleling the 40 days. Each measure has 24 smaller parts, just like each day has 24 hours. So this is really a mikvah. It's really a mikvah. Okay. So, so how can we... How, so, so again, let me just tell you how I've gone through these Elul's, and when I say Elul, you can also hear Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So I thought, okay, here's where I am. Just sort of like make a, make a line, you know, on a graph, and that's, that's, where I'm, that's where I'm holding. And I'm going to do these extra things, you know, you can draw a line just above that line. I'm going to do these extra things, and with the hopes that this is going to somehow, you know, be a schus, be a merit for, for a greater year. Okay? But, but really, that higher line is just extra stuff that I'm doing. I'm still on the lower line. That's, that's still me. I'm just doing these extra things, and that's, that's how I'm going through this period of the year. 
Okay. So, so let's get deeper now, because because this this can be a breakthrough for for us personally in our lives. You see. We all want to be, or, or ideally are, fully integrated people. What does it mean to be fully integrated? That means you don't think one way and act another. Right? Now that can be for the good or for the bad. A lot of people, their outside actions seem pretty holy, but inside they're just thoroughly corrupt. Other people, they're like tzaddikim inside. They're like holy inside, but they somehow haven't been able to break through and manifest, you know, the purity inside of them into their actual actions. Right? So the ideal is, is that you want your inner beauty to be reflected in your deeds. That's, that's the goal. That's the, that's the ideal person that, that we're all striving to become. That's the Torah model that your inside should be reflected in your outsides. And of course, we all have a piece of God inside of us. That's our neshama. That's our holy soul. And so that's really the defining quality of who we are. And we want that expressed in our actions as well. That's, that's ultimate integration. You know, I once, I once put it this way, because um, I don't know if you, if you guys uh, can identify with this, but if you can, for me personally, it was like an aha moment. You know, like one of those... Like things like, oh, yeah. So I remember when, when I had this whole thing at work years ago where they were going to fire me for keeping Shabbos and told me I'd never work again and all, all this stuff. Um, but I stuck to, stuck to my guns and then they said, okay, you can work on Shabbos. You, you, you can take off for Shabbos. You know, and you know, so it was a test. But, but that, was, that was a big moment in my life. And... Um, and what I can compare it to, and this is, this is the part that I wanted to tell you, was looking into a microscope. If you've had the experience of looking into a microscope, or if you can remember this experience, and you're focusing, and you go, okay, now it's in focus. And then you turn it one more time, and you go, ah, now it's really in focus. I don't know if you know that moment, but it's a very dramatic moment. And then sometimes you even turn it one more time, and you go, now it's really in focus. And there's something awesome about that, you know? I tell you, I'll give you a, maybe a more current example. If you ever watch a video on like YouTube and it comes up and it's a little blurry, and then like 10 seconds in, all of a sudden it clicks and it's like in HD, you know that moment? It's like, ah, you know, now I can watch this thing. You know, so that's the idea of our insides and our outsides being in harmony. You know, and that's like this, that's this great feeling. That's a great, great feeling. Okay, so now let's get back to this idea that, you know, again, I'm talking personally, but I think this applies to a lot of us, which is that, okay, I'm holding at this level, you draw a line, right? But during Elul, Roshon Yom Kippur, I'm holding at this level, you draw a higher line, right? Or let's relate it back to the, to the earlier example. You know what? I'm late 30 times in a row. Now I'm starting to show up on time, right? Because I want to... I want to change. Okay, now here's, here's the point. Here's the point. Now, the person should start thinking of themselves as an untimed person. 
That's the integration. I'm going to say it again because I really want you to hear this. It's not just that, wow, people will view you cynically often and say, okay, so big deal, he showed up once or twice on time, big deal. And that God looks at you and go, no, now I see you in a different way. God does see you in a different way. But here's the new idea. Now you have to see yourself in a different way. Now you have to look at yourself. This is the integration. This is the integration. Now you have to look at yourself as I'm an on-time person. You know, it's funny. I used to be, you want to hear something funny? I used to be late all the time. Now I'm on time. So, so now what happens if the next time you show up late? <laughs> so you're an on-time person, but you just happen to have been late. <laughs> And then you say, hey, listen, since I'm an on-time person and I showed up late, what's this late thing? I really got to get it back together, you know, because I'm an on-time person now. You see, now let me tell you why this is so dramatic. It might sound like a small point. I hope it doesn't. But let me just really emphasize why this is so dramatic. And it's getting back to what we said about Mazel before. You see, the, the greatness of tshuva, especially when it comes vis-a-vis, just in general, by the way, and we're going to get into this, you know, in in a moment, in in a deeper way about what's so special about Rosh Hashanah, but um, in in terms of tshuva in general, like just sort of elevating yourself and everything like this, the reason why it's so great is because any decrees that were uh, up against a person, because you're now a new person, those decrees no longer apply to you. They apply to that other incarnation, right, which was you. But now you're not that person anymore. So now you require a brand new set of decrees, a brand new, a brand new set of instructions. Do you understand? So now if you really want to be that new person, it's one level for... It's one... It, like, look... You know, it's one level for God to see you as that new person. But if you're seeing yourself as that new person, that's a lot more convincing and a lot more compelling. Right? Because the person who actually sees themselves as a new person is going to act differently on an ongoing basis. So, so allow yourself to believe that you've changed. Even if once you've accepted this new you, you fall down multiple times. That's okay. And that's not a contradiction. Because we all go up and down. The question is, who's going up and down? Is it the old you who just went up? Or is it the new you who just went down? (laughs) Better it should be the new you that just went down and then he's going to go back up. Okay, so I, I, hope, um, I hope that that was clear. And, um, and I think that, um, you know, I heard Rabbi Kellerman say uh, a number of years ago, he was sort of talking about the greatness of taking on one thing and something ultra small. And really, he had a whole talk about people would come to him and say, this is the thing I'm going to take on. And, and, and every single time he would say, no, 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 that's too big, that's too big. I mean, we're talking about something 
really small. So let me give you an example, one thing that I did one year. You know, I, I guess I learned, I don't know, I was looking for something, you know. I don't, I guess you, you're supposed to, I don't know the source of this, but, you know, let's, let's say it's true. You're supposed to, in general, begin things with your right hand or your right foot, whatever it is. Person, don't, don't get neurotic about it, you know, but that's, that's just given the choice, right? You put on your right sock first and then your left sock, then your right shoe, then your left shoe. Right? Then you tie your left shoe, it switches, and you tie your right shoe. When you give tzedakah, or you make a brocha, you hold it with your right hand. When you start washing your hands, you wash your right hand first. Okay, so these are just different examples of, of the right going first. So I don't know when I put on a jacket if I put my right hand in first. Right? So I heard, okay, that's something you do. So I tried to say, okay, so I'll start putting my right hand first. Okay, when you wash your hands, believe it or not, you're supposed to pick up the cup with your left hand, then pass it to your right hand. No, I'm sorry. You're supposed to pick up the cup with your right hand, then pass it to your left hand, and then wash your right hand first. So that was like a nuance that I wasn't doing, picking it up with my right hand and passing it to my left hand. So I decided, okay, that's something that, um, that I'm going to do, because I think that's, that's, that's like the micro-level type of thing that he was talking about. But, but what, what's, what's the real point? What, what's the bigger idea behind making a tiny change like that? Is that if you, that, that's likely something, if you can find something like that, that's likely something that you actually can do for the rest of your life, right? Because it's so easy. So for instance, if anyone is not being particularly careful about putting on their right sock first, right? I would recommend doing that because it's very easy to do. It's very easy to do. Now, but, but, but hear the idea of the greatness behind this. It sounds like, oh, I'm just talking about taking on a mitzvah because it's Elul. I'm not talking about that at all. There's a very different point that, that's being made here, which is the idea of actual complete transformation. That, that's the point. That, that if you can, even if it's on a micro level, actually take something on and do it for the rest of your life and not stop, you are, by definition, by definition, a different person than what you were. By definition. And then you become eligible to all of the great things that happen to you in this new category of a different person. Right? So, so, so again, if you can integrate that consciousness of being that new person, that's quite awesome, because that's a com that then becomes a complete transformation. Okay. So... I want to I want to go deeper into this idea into the dynamics because a lot of people have this question. We say that um, okay, a new judgment is coming down, right? A new so let's get a little more spiritual about it, okay? That's also true. But really a new light is coming down. This is this is what it is. And um, the the great in my opinion the great illustration of this is that we have a special prayer that we say the last Shabbos of every Jewish month. It's called Birchas uh, HaChodesh, uh, right? And that's, um, and that's we bless the new month that's coming. So the Rebbe's like compared it that it's sort of like this new light comes down on Rosh Hashanah and basically it's like a train making stops in a station. This light is traveling from month to month. And, and at the end of each month, we're giving a bracha as it enters into 
we're blessing it as this light is entering into the next month. So fascinatingly, there's only one month that we don't make this blessing, and that's at the last Shabbos of Elul into the month of Tishrei. Tishrei, of course, is when Rosh Hashanah, the new year is. So why aren't we making this blessing, and this is a famous thing, right? Why aren't we making this blessing in Elul? We do it every single month. And the answer, as I understand it, is there's a new light coming down. In other words, the train, when it hits the Elul station, that's the last stop. That's the last stop of that light for the year. That's it. Now a new light is coming down. Okay? So so that means it's a new world. That means it's a new us. Right? That means it's a new, like, you know, Rabbi uh, David Aaron says so beautifully, the idea that, um, you know, and I've worked in in, in television and, and, you know, in, in TV series where there's like, the new episode for the week, the new script for the new year is coming down. And we, we are, so to speak, the actors. But the amazing thing is, is that in a lot of shows, you know, and I would say 90 plus percent of the shows I worked on, you don't talk to the actors about what, what the uh, new storyline is going to be. For the most part, you just don't, right? They, you know, once they get the script, they might have a, a reaction to it, right? But in advance of the script, that's that's the writer's job. Okay? So what's so different about God in us is that God has this sort of this story conference with us before the script comes out. That's Elul, that's Rosh Hashanah, that's Yom Kippur, right? Up to Hoshana Rabbah. Alright? In other words, God Himself is conferring with us what role do you want to play in this new world that I'm making? That's an amazing thing. That doesn't always happen. That's a great covet. That's a great honor and a great kindness that God gives us that he wants to hear what we have to say, what role we want to play, right? But listen, again, let's say <clears throat> I want to be, I, I, so I say, okay, great. I've got a, an opportunity to talk with the executive producer on high, so to speak. And I'm going to tell him, I'm going to pitch him a story that I think I want to do, where I'm an expert juggler, and I'm juggling like bowling balls and chainsaws and apples and you know all things of different weights and you know torches all at the same time, right? It's going to be awesome. It's going to just bring down the house. And God says, "I love it. I love it. It's fantastic." Do you know how to juggle? Um, no. Have you ever juggled before? No. Have you taken any classes? No. How long have you wanted to juggle? Long time. Have you done anything about it up until now? No. Guess what? You know what the next script is not going to involve you doing? Juggling. Because you don't know how to do it. And you haven't even tried. So this is where we come in. And again, this is the greatness of El. This is the greatness of Rosh Hashanah. This is the greatness of Yom Kippur. And again, remember... The fixing for the month of Elul is action. Every month has a different quality that needs to be fixed. It's action. Because if God says, oh, wait a second, let's do another version. Let's do the happy version of that story, okay? Um, you pitch that whole thing about juggling, and then the executive producer says, do you know how to juggle? Yeah. You've been taking classes? Yeah. Can I see some juggling? Oh, sure. 
Look, actually, you know what? On YouTube, here's, here's 10 tapes of me juggling. Oh, wow, you're awesome. Yeah, of course we can have you juggle. You're crazy? You're fantastic. Let's do it. You want to do it, but we'll do it in a bigger way now. Do it before a lot more people, all right? You're gonna, it's going to be great. Put all this work into it? Sure. You're ready for a bigger audience. Completely different, completely different story, right? So our effort is what triggers the next things. It's what, it, there's a direct correlation. And, and again, we have to make that breakthrough to action. Because just thinking about it is, is you know, as Reb Shlomo would say, it's sweet and it's cute. But it's, it's, it's not on the level of action. So let me just talk about a progression that I noticed that, that was, um, I, resonated with me. We, we have a series of months, all right? We have Tammuz, the month of Tammuz. It's followed by the month of Av. And then it's followed by the month of Elul. And then we have Tishrei. That's the sequence of the months. So let's talk about the fixing for a moment. Because, you see, a lot of people, they, they understand the logic of what I'm saying. But now, so now are you going to do something? No. No. It sounded good, though. And I loved what you said, by the way. Are you going to do something? No. I mean, do you want me to be honest? No. <laughs> but it sounded great. I'm so glad you said it. Um, so, okay. So, let's talk about those people. And, you know, I'm sure I'm one of them. So, 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 what's the problem with a person like that? And, and again, we can see the depth of what the Torah is telling us. Let's go to the sequence of fixings, because before you get to action, right, which is Elul, you had two months before then. You had Tammuz and you had Av. So what's the fixing of Tammuz? It's seeing, right, with your eyes, seeing. What's the fixing of Av? Hearing. Okay, and then you have action. So, let's say it again. First we fix our seeing, then we fix our hearing, then we fix our action. So again, why are so many of us so immobilized? We want to act. We understand that we're supposed to act. We want to act. We actually want to act. It's so hard. Remember, they say that the, the distance between the heart and the mind, or the mind and the heart, is the greatest distance in the universe. Right? It's universes apart. So how do we bridge that gap to get to this realm of action? You know, because again, sometimes the mind wants to do it, sometimes the heart wants to do it, but they're not connected. So, and they have to be connected for action. So, All right. So... So, Hashem is telling us, first begin with how you see the world. You want to fix your action? You've got to take a few steps back. How are you looking at the world? How are you looking at other people? How are you looking at yourself? How are you looking at God? Right? Is everybody against you? Right? Everyone's... That's what I see. I see everyone is involved in a very elaborate, brilliant plot against me. <laughs> right? And they're succeeding. They're, they're like, everyone is like, how is it that everyone became a member of the evil genius club except me? 
How did that happen? Why wasn't I invited? I also want to be an evil genius. <laughs> but everyone got invited except me. <laughs> so you look around, and of course, the world is against me, and they're trying to bring me down at every single moment. That's just, look, if you've got a brain in your head, you can see it. All right, well, that shuts a person down. That shuts a person down. What about hearing? Hearing is all about giving people the benefit of the doubt. Right? And it's that, it's that level of, of, like, integration between people. Right? Remember, hearing is the month of Av. What happened in Av, Tisha B'Av? That's the dark day of destruction of the holy temples and exile among the Jewish people. And the rabbis teach us that that happened because we were hating each other for no reason. Right? So it shows on, that's, that, that means that our relationships are flawed. Hearing, like when you talk to someone and, 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 and you get very frustrated, a lot of people, I know I, I've said this and I've heard other people say, you're not even hearing what I'm saying. Right? Hearing is about relationships. And that's the fixing of sinas chinam, of, of causeless hatred. That's av. Hearing is av, right? Hearing is, is about giving people the benefit of the doubt. Okay? It's, it's first you have to see that the world isn't against you. Then you have to be able to give people the benefit of the doubt. And you know what happens once you do that? Your heart opens up. Because you're not dwelling in a hostile environment anymore. And if you're not in a hostile environment anymore, then I can act and I can move. And I can do. Right? Because, because, I'm, because I'm afraid. I get shut down. I heard in the name of Rabbi Nachman something very interesting. That there are people who are very special, like holy people in the world who have, like, Torah to give over, and they, they can't give it over because there's too much hatred in the world. A very amazing thing. And, in other words, just the, the amount of hatred in the world is, 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 is closing all these gates for all of these people to act and to do. But a person themselves can open up the gates by giving other people the benefit of the doubt, by seeing the world that isn't hostile to them, that seeing that God is not plotting against them, right? Because so many of us think that God is just waiting for me to do one thing wrong so that he can zap me. And this can't, it can't be our attitude about God. It cannot be. We cannot function or be productive or do what we were created to do if this is our attitude about God. God created the entire universe. He didn't have to do that, right? Just remember, we always say it, but it's, it's, it's like a mind blower. Just contemplate that there didn't have to be a world at all. No one made God make the world. There doesn't have to be a world at all. So um, imagine, like, there's an entire world. And there's a you. There certainly didn't have to be a you. So God made a world, absolutely didn't have to make a world, because you can't say that God was compelled to do anything, because God is beyond all that. 
God is not compelled to do anything. God is beyond all that. So there didn't have to be a world, and there didn't have to be a you. Now the fact that there's a world and that there's a you, you already won. You, hey, pick up the phone. You're the grand prize winner. What do I get? You. <laughs> Anything else? A world for you to be in. Oh. Anything else? No. <laughs> now just do something with it. <laughs> you know? Everyone is a winner. Whatever you got, you won. Whatever you got, you won. You see, the problem with the way people approach life is they're already entering into step five of a progression. And they're ignoring steps one through four. And the whole story is steps one through four. You know, they've already arrived at the grand banquet of the king, you know, dressed in finery, right? What is your, I mean, you've got a brain for goodness sakes. You know what, you know, you say, I can't afford the new iPhone. You've got a brain. <laughs> you know what a brain is? If Apple could make a brain, no one can make a brain. You've got the most sophisticated exoskeleton, high-tech thing, beyond, 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 right? And you're sitting at the king's banquet and everything like that, and you know what your reaction is? The peas are a little soft. I think that they, I think that they got overcooked. I don't know. Like the cook must have gotten distracted and. They're mushy. Come on, let's be honest. They're mushy, right? It's not just me. They're, they are mushy, right? You know, that's called joining your life in on step five. That's step five. What about one through four? How did you get into the king's palace? <laughs> so... So again, I want to I want to go to this deeper point, which is everybody's asking. Everybody's asking about, you know, because we say it all the time, that the world is constantly being created. Every single moment, the world is being created. And you know, my my father used to make a a joke. It wasn't like a funny joke, but he he was trying to illustrate a point, which was he he would say. He would say that the, the real estate in, 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 in Hong Kong, right, is measured by the inch. What did he mean by that? That it, there's such, it's so small and it's so dense and there's so many people and businesses there that every, every, every single place is hugely valuable. So m most places you me measure by the square foot real estate. But here he was saying you measure it by the inch. Meaning to say, look how valuable it is. So I always think about that when I contemplate the fact that in the Siddur, in the prayer book, between Baruch Hu, which is the official opening of the prayers, we have prayers before then, but that's like the official opening of the service, to Shema, right? When we say Shema, that's just a couple of pages between Baruch Hu and Shema. I mean, that's like the most precious real estate in the whole world, right? Like, like it's... There's not a lot there. And whatever they put between Baruch and Shema, you got to believe that they gave a lot of thought to. So it, I find it very striking that the same teaching appears two times 
two separate times between Baruch Hu and Shema. Which, again, is interesting because there's such limited space. Why would you say the same thing twice in two different places? And I'll just show you where it is. Right after we make the opening brocha after um, Baruch Hu, we say it, um, which means, in English, with compassion and in his goodness, God renews daily, perpetually, the work of creation. Means the universe is constantly being created and recreated and recreated and recreated. Then, in the paragraph right before Ava Raba, right, Lakel Baruch Nimos Yitenu, that paragraph, we say again, Hamechadesh Pituvo Bukhoyom Tamid Masevereshis. In his goodness, God renews daily, perpetually, the work of creation. Again, this is the exact same teaching, two times, like within just a few verses of each other. Why? Why? Because this is obviously a very, very fundamental concept that God is creating and recreating the world constantly. And you know, we've said on this before, but very important to understand, every moment is an opening. That's what that means. You're never stuck. You're never stuck. Every moment is a new opening. Okay. But, but here's the question. We didn't really articulate the question yet. If that's the case, then what's Rosh Hashanah? Right? Like, everyone has this question. If God's creating and recreating the world all the time, then we say, wow, Rosh Hashanah is like the big moment. So, so then what's the difference between Rosh Hashanah and every single moment of the year? So there is a big, there's a very big difference. So, so let's just say the Pashup Shat, right? The most simple, definitive level is that the plan for the new year comes down on Rosh Hashanah. That's not said every single moment. We don't say every single moment God recreates the world and brings down a brand new judgment for the year. We don't say that. We don't say that. We do say it by Rosh Hashanah. So that's a very different creation that's taking place. And as we said before, that's this new light that's coming down into the year. That's this new set of instructions for us for the new year that's coming down. And remember, this is for all of creation. This is for Jews. This is for non-Jews. This is for the angels in heaven. This is an all-encompassing judgment that's coming down into the world. Okay? So, I want to compare it I want to compare it um, to, to, to give you an example between Rosh Hashanah and the creation that's going on during the year, okay? Share with you, this is my understanding, okay? And I'll give you an example. Imagine it's dinner time. It's dinner time, and I want to cook dinner. And so what am I going to do? I'm going to open up the refrigerator. I'm going to see what ingredients I have. I'm going to open up the pantry. I'm going to see what kind of ingredients that I have. And then I'm going to make a dish. I'm going to make dinner, right? So that's, that's one way of doing it. That's one way of doing it. Now, another way of doing it is I want to make dinner, and I'm going to open up the cookbook, and I'm going to see which recipe I like. And it's like, oh, I don't have these ingredients. I'm going to go out to the marketplace, and I'll get these ingredients, and then I'm going to make dinner. 
So there's a big difference between those two things. Because if I'm just going to use what's in the house, if I want to make garlic chicken and I don't have any garlic, I can't make garlic chicken. (laughs) I just can use what's in the house. So that's going to limit what it is that I can make. If I have the freedom to go anywhere, if I can go down to Koreatown, right, and buy this, you know, very exotic, you know, piece of produce that they just sell there, then I can basically make anything. If I have the time, I can go to the market, I can make any dish. This is the difference between the creation that's going on during the year and the creation that's going on in Rosh Hashanah. You see, once Rosh Hashanah comes down, once that light for the new year comes down, those are, so to speak, your ingredients for the year. You see? Then, I can just make what's in the house. But Rosh Hashanah is my opportunity. That level of creation is I get to go out of the house and do all the shopping that I want to do. Right? I mean, when we say Rosh Hashanah, especially, but you prepare that with Elul, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. Then I can get all the ingredients and now I can make a whole new set of dishes that I wasn't able to make during the year because I've got this opportunity to bring down all these new ingredients. Put it to you another way. Just give you lots of examples, lots of visualizations because this is a very crucial point. You know, we we often talk about this time of the year. um, I like to call it the days of wet cement. What does that mean, the days of wet cement? So when you walk down the sidewalk, a lot of times you'll see people wrote wrote their name in the sidewalk, right? So now you take a stick and you try to write your name in the sidewalk. The cement is dry. I I can't do it. Or if I could do it, it's going to be really hard. It's going to take a lot of effort. But when the cement is wet, I just take a stick, I can write whatever I like. You see, this is when the world is in flux. Everything is very fluid right now. So the efforts that I make have a very big impact because everything is being formed right now. Once the new year comes down, it becomes like dry cement. And you can do it, but it requires a significantly greater effort significantly greater effort. I was just thinking of a visualization, which is, it's almost as though the new year that comes down, imagine a piece of fabric. Imagine a piece of fabric, and it's sort of like a roll of fabric, like 12 months like of, of fabric, right? And, um, and that's your new year. Whatever that pattern is, that's your new year. Now imagine that I say, no, I want to change it. So imagine you have to like actually pull the threads. You know how the threads are like, like with a loom, you build it and they're like cross-hatched. Imagine I have to separate all of the threads of this piece of fabric and then I have to weave them together into a new fabric, into a new pattern. It can be done, but that's a significant amount of work. That's a significant amount of work. 
Rabbi Tatz gives a, another example, which is, he says, imagine you're going to build a building and you've got a blueprint in front of you, right? And you go, hmm, you know something? All the windows are on the west side of this wall. I want to move all the windows to the east side of the wall. So what do you do? You take out your eraser. You erase the windows on the west side of the wall. You draw straight lines, right? So now it's a whole wall. And then you put the dotted dash lines on the east side of the wall. And what did you do? You moved all the windows from one side to the other. He said, now imagine the building goes up. All the windows are on one side of the wall. And now you want to move them to the other side of the wall. Uh, a whole building? You know, how much, you know how much work that is? A lot of work. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Doesn't mean once the year starts you can't do it. You can do it. But all of this is to give us an, an increased appreciation for the opportunity that we have right now. Where small actions, and ideally small actions which are fully integrated into our consciousness, into our sense of self, can transform who we are and can transform the year that we're going to have. So, um, so let's 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 wrap it up. Uh, I heard someone say someone was visiting from Yerushalayim yesterday, and he was saying in the name of Rabbi Weinberg, Rabbi Yaakov Weinberg. Maybe it was Rabbi Noah Weinberg. I'm not sure, but he was saying that um, that all of us have to be efficiency experts. We have to be efficiency experts. And I, I, I really like that. I really like that. It's like, you know something? At a certain point in your life, you sort of know what it is that you need to do. So, you know what? How about just doing that? How about just taking one thing and seeing it through? You know? Um, the the, the Sahara is is an angel. Remember, it's not just us, although we have our, you know, deficiencies. But in addition to that, we have something called a Yetzirah, which is actually an angel, and we have which which opposes us. And then, of course, we have a Yetzirah, an angel which helps us, and 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 we have to make progress. But the point is, is that. The Yetzirah, the, the Talmud says the Yetzirah is actually stronger than we are and that we can't beat the Yetzirah. That it's only because God works with us that we're allowed to beat the Yetzirah. In other words, the Yetzirah is very, very strong and very creative and works outside of us. Right? So we have to have a, a full appreciation of what we're up against. We're up against a, a very dramatic significant adversary. And if we don't take our spiritual enemy seriously, we, we don't even have the, 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 the opportunity to succeed unless we understand how, and it says that it renews itself every single day with brand new arguments, right? And it's not just a sort of like questioning aspect of my mind behind me because I read in a magazine this, which seems to contradict that, and I'm wondering this, that. You know. 
It's more than that. It's an actual angel which is actively trying to stop us. Right? We just have to appreciate just what the reality of our, of our lives is. Now, I'm, I'm talking about being an efficiency expert and seeing one thing through. And let me just conclude with one of my favorite, favorite Hasidic stories. And I always feel terrible that I haven't found the Rebbe who said this because I know what book it's in. I, I, I have to find the Rebbe who said it. Anyway, it's a real story. And it changed my life, this story. So the story goes like this. Someone comes up to the Rebbe and says um, that there's a tzedakah emergency, meaning that we have to raise money fast for someone who's in bad shape. So the Rebbe hears this, understands the truth of it, and he thinks, and he goes, you know something? We have a bolt of cloth, fine, fine material. And if we sell that material then we can raise some money and we can give the money to the person. And the Hasidim get excited. Yeah, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll sell that and then we'll have some money. And then the Rebbe gets a, a better idea. And he says, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. He says, that material is so fine. We could make a wedding dress out of that material and we can sell the wedding dress for more money than the entire thing of fabric. So Hasidim get even more excited. And then the Rebbe goes, no, let's just sell the bolt of cloth, the fabric as it is right now. Let's not make the dress. We'll just sell the fabric the way it is right now. And the Hasidim, like, they're confused. They say, wait a second. You just had an idea how you can make even more money. Don't you want to raise even more money to help this person out? And now listen carefully, this is the end of the story. The Rebbe says, yeah, it was a better idea, right, to make the dress, right? But I realized we were never going to do it. That the Yetzirah gave me this even better idea to stop me from doing anything. So at that point I realized, let's just sell the fabric as it is right now, and we'll get them the money that we can get them. See, there's, a, there's probably a hundred life lessons in this story. One of them is that sometimes you will get a better idea. And it will actually be a legitimately better idea. It's not just your imagination that it's a better idea. It's an actually better idea and you're never going to do it. And it's going to stop you from actually making any progress whatsoever. That's the Yetzirah. That's the genius of the Yetzirah. So, so now that we know one of its tricks, let's apply it to our own lives and pick one thing and really try to see it through. Pick one thing and try to see it through because we could have five ideas and they could all legitimately be glot, kosher, fantastic ideas. And the reason why we have five is because God doesn't want us to do even one. Or the Yitzhahara doesn't want us to do even one, I should say. It's trying to stop us from doing even one. And if we can see one thing through, that can absolutely be transformative. And that can usher in a new world and a new us.
here are some questions and answers. Here is a couple of questions and answers.